the tomb is empty. Man, hear me, our God is alive. He went to the cross, he died for you and for me, and he rose again from the dead. And we serve the God of the universe, he has it all in hand. We love that we are not alone, we have him right here with us. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Well, hey, I love being able to worship with you, excited to be able to celebrate today with you. We are continuing in a series here called Take Hold. We're in our third week now as we get going and take hold. What are we talking about? Remember back to that Easter story, the day that Jesus rose from the dead and the women had heard from the angel and, and as they were continuing to walk over to tell the others about Jesus being risen, they saw Jesus, they fell down on their knees, they grabbed onto his legs and his feet, it says, and the, they took hold. They began to worship him and celebrate him and praise him with all they've got. And our job as we walk through this series is to learn what it means to take hold. Lord, how can we grab onto you and worship you with all we've got? Take hold. So we've taken a look at what it means to be able to have a God who has died on the cross for us. Jesus, when he went to the cross, he became that payment for us. He took away our sin. As long as we believe in him, as long as we believe that he is risen, we're letting him be in charge in our lives. It says that his death on that cross, he literally became the lamb for us, covering our sin. But more than just covering our sin, he gave us hope of eternity. He rose again from the dead. And as Jesus rose from the dead, he guarantees that we have eternal life in him. As long as we're believing, as long as we're confessing him as Lord, he's in charge. We have this eternal life that is guaranteed for those who are saved. And man, we've got this hope in Jesus Christ. As he did a work on the cross, as he did a work in his being risen from the dead. But today we're going to look at more than that. Jesus Christ giving us hope as he sends the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And what does it mean for us to have the Holy Spirit right here with us? What does it mean for us to have the hope of God in us? And how do we go about celebrating that and living that out day by day? That's what we're looking at today. So turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. And we're going to be celebrating the fact that we have the Holy Spirit with us regularly, daily, all the time with us. So how do we practice that? Point number one, be patient for God and his timing. Be patient for God and his timing. I'm just going to tell you just a, again, a little bit of a remember here. We set these series up uh, all the way last summer. And so this is some whatever it is, 40 weeks ago or whatever, as we were getting these nailed down and God knew exactly what we would need. The words and the outline for today, I'm just telling you this was not chosen because of knowing things going on. This was chosen last summer. God has a message for us in the midst of this. May we hear him powerfully as he calls us to a patience about his timing on things. And a man in the middle of the COVID virus and all that's going on, this applies so much for what we need to hear. So before we start to read here in Acts chapter 1, let's make sure we understand where we're at. Uh, we pick up Acts chapter 1, it's about 40 days after, 40 days after, everybody just say after, 
right? Louder and bigger, right where you're at, say after, right? This is 40 days after Jesus Christ has died and risen. 40 days after, and this is now him spending time with the disciples and teaching and training them across those 40 days. And he's like, hey, I've got a message for you very specifically. Let's rally together on the Mount of Olives, that was just outside of Jerusalem, down this little dip of a valley and up the other side. It's just right there. And a very short walk over and they went to the Mount of Olives some 40 days later as they rallied together and they ended up hearing these words from Jesus as they interacted. We'll pick it up, Acts chapter one, starting in verse six. It says, so when they came together, they asked him, Lord, Uh, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Uh, Like they've been patient for 40 days, right? And they've been expecting Jesus now to be the Messiah. They first expected that when he was doing the speaking and people were being changed forever because of what they heard when he was touching and lives were being healed. When he commanded and dead men rose, they were like, this has got to be the Messiah. Then Jesus went to the cross and they were like, This is not the plan that we had in store. This is not the expectation we had. And and so they all started pulling away from Jesus. Three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. He starts spreading the word through the disciples that he is risen. Now, can you imagine how fired up they are? Can you imagine? Like before they were like, this has got to be the Messiah. Well, maybe not. Now it's, are you kidding me? This is the God who can conquer death himself. Absolutely, this is Messiah. Now they're patiently hanging on each step as they're waiting for Jesus to unveil his Messiahship. Him in charge, reigning on the throne, kingdom of Israel being lifted up and it's not coming. So as he says, hey, why don't we meet at the Mount of Olives? They're like, this has got to be it. Here it comes, man. This is it. So as they get together and it's still not being said, they're like, hey, hey, Jesus, maybe this is the obvious, but... uh, When are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? When is that going to happen? Jesus' answer. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed. And it's so easy for us when we look at Scripture to start to try to second guess what God is doing and begin to say things like, well, maybe God is going to do this as time progresses. Maybe this is when it's going to happen. Maybe this is how it's going to happen, right? And we start guessing and trying to figure it all out. And let's be super clear. There are some things that God gives us where he helps us to be able to understand exactly what he's doing. And then there are other things where he does not. And he's like, let's just make this clear right now to you disciples. Those times... And those seasons are not for you to know. Let's make sure we understand those two words. Those are Greek words. They're really two different words in the Greek for being able to say the word time in the English, right? And they said times and seasons. The first is chronos, times. That means like hours, minutes, seconds. Like what you would see on your watch today, right? As the time ticks by, chronos. That's the times and the seasons, That's more like fall, winter, spring, or maybe more like this era where God is moving in people's lives in this way. It's a broader period of time, seasons. And and, and that word literally is something that means God's stepping in and he has a plan and he's doing something on the broader front. So in the second by second, in the broader moment by moment, hang on, those are for the Father 
to have appointed and know what's going on. And uh, man, let's just be really honest. It's pretty easy in the middle of uh, this environment that we're in now to begin to question how long, God? What are the times and the seasons that you're working? And, and Jesus is like, let's make sure that we're not going after trying to know the seconds and the minutes. Let's make sure we're not trying to predict those sections of time where God is doing something on a broad front. He is appointing those and fixing those with his own authority. Everybody say, own authority. Just say it louder, say it bigger. Own authority. Right? The Father is not taking a poll of humanity to figure out what he should do. We all get that, right? Like God knows exactly what he's doing and God has a plan. The scripture does not teach and God is clueless, so he keeps asking us what to do. Like it's not that. Everybody say not that. Say it louder, say it bigger. Not that. Right? That's not what God's doing. And Jesus is like, you're missing it, guys. You're trying to take control of what's going on. Hang on. The Father knows exactly what he's doing. He says, but, and you got to love that, when Jesus gives a correction but then turns to a but, he's bringing some hope here. He's like, look, the hours and the seasons aren't for you to know, but here's one thing you do need to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. Hang on. Something huge is coming. And you may not know exactly the time or the season how this all works out. But here's what you will know. The Holy Spirit is going to come on you and do a work like you have never seen before. He is going to bring a power. And this power, I'm just telling you, man, that means that he's going to bring insight. That means he's going to bring wisdom. That means he's going to bring capability. Things are going to be happening in and through the disciples that they had never seen before. And there is going to be massive power coming through the Holy Spirit. As God starts doing a huge work in them, he says, when my uh, power will come upon you, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, this isn't something they're going to do to get the power. It's not, hey, you need to do these things, then this will happen. Right? Not that. This is when the Holy Spirit comes, Father's timing, Holy Spirit stepping in, God doing an amazing work, and then, and only then, will there be a massive outpouring of God into this world. And he says, and after you have that power, that insight, that wisdom, that ability, that power, that gifting, then you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses. Jesus standing there with them some 40 days after the resurrection. And he's like, you're going to be talking about me, man. You're going to be telling people what you know about me. You're going to be telling people of the healings you saw. You're going to be telling people of the miracles that took place. You're going to be telling people of the Messiah fulfillments that you witnessed. But more than that, you're going to be telling them of my death on the cross. You're going to be telling them of my resurrection that I am alive. And they were to be witnesses, just as we're called to be witnesses, that we believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And that we celebrate that with all we've got. He is risen from the dead. And he is Lord. He's in charge. God Almighty, he gets the glory. And they're called to be witnesses wherever God calls them to go. And then he gives them a few words. He says, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. 
So let's just break it down. In Jerusalem, you know, the city where they were standing, the Mount of Olives is just outside of Jerusalem. It's right over there. And, and so they're looking back at Jerusalem. He's like, right here locally, you're going to represent me with all you've got. But more than Jerusalem, then to all Judea and Samaria, like the broader part of Israel, the, more the whole of Israel. And, and then to the ends of the earth, every nation beyond that. And let's put it in our words today. And what city do you live in? And just say it out loud. Whatever city you live in, say it out loud right where you're at. Go ahead, I'll give you a moment. Okay, so that's the city you're in. That's your Jerusalem. And then it says, and to all Judea and Samaria, that's kind of like the broader central Illinois or maybe even the whole state of Illinois. It's sort of like this state. We're gonna represent God right where we are in the broader sense. And then to the ends of the earth, to every nation we ever come in contact with, we will always be witnesses that he is risen. He is God Almighty. He's in charge. And all of God's people said, amen, man. It's our privilege to be able to share the truth of Jesus Christ. He died for us. He is risen for us. And yes, there is a Holy Spirit hope to bring power. And we can share that out. It says, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. You know, there's a lot of times in scripture, where, <laughs> bluntly, where we just read it and we're like, oh yeah, and then that happened. Dude, can you imagine what that was like? You're standing there talking with Jesus and you're chatting with him about kingdom to come and you're interacting and he's like, then the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you and then you're gonna be witnesses everywhere, man. It's gonna be amazing to see what happens. And then he just starts rising up, right? And as you're standing there watching, you're like, what is going on? As he goes up and, and then all of a sudden he meets with clouds and then all of that goes up and out. What would you do next? I know what I'd be doing next. What in the world what was that? Now the next question. Okay, Jesus is going up. Is he teaching us that he can fly? What is he doing? Is he just going to come right back down? What's the plan, man? What is happening here? And so the disciples just continuing to stare up, trying to figure out what's going on as Jesus has ascended. Remember, after the resurrection, he has a glorified body. And he has taken that glorified body and he has ascended up and seated at the right hand of the Father. Praise God. And it says, and while they were gazing into heaven as he went, right, as they're staring up in awe, jaw dropped, it says, behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, check it out, right? It means look at this, behold. It says two men stood by them. All of a sudden there's angels standing next to them in white robes. These two men in white robes, these angels, they took on an appearance that looked like man standing next to them. They stood in white robes and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Well, they got a pretty good answer, right? And it probably goes with a little bit of stumbling. Like, why do you stand there looking into heaven? Because I, it, <laughs> Jesus just, he went up and like, I don't see him anymore. Like there's a really good answer for what was going on. And they're like, why do you stand there looking into heaven? And then they give an answer for why they're asking really quite a silly question. They said, this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way. Everybody say, same way. Right, dude, say it louder, say it bigger. Same way. Don't miss that. 
Jesus Christ with glorified body ascending up into heaven, physically his body going up, visibly can be seen, geographically from the Mount of Olives in the same way coming back, physically, visibly, geographically to the Mount of Olives. That's a huge promise, man. And this is actually the hope that we have. Revelation 19 fulfilling that as Jesus comes back on a white horse right to that place. Zechariah 14 giving some more detail about what that would look like. And the angels are like, just so you know, he's coming back. But hang on. He's going to be coming back in the same way in a while. The angels are giving him hope for Jesus Christ's return. Remember, the men have now gotten a promise that they are going to receive the Holy Spirit in some time. And then Jesus goes up and away. Now, Jesus had made it clear to them earlier that there would be a Holy Spirit coming, a comforter coming. But I got to tell you, man, every turn that these guys went through, they were shocked by what they were experiencing. This is not what they were thinking it was going to go like. They're like, hey, when is the kingdom going to get formed? Jesus goes up to heaven. Not what they were expecting. It's amazing how often our expectations put us in a really awkward spot in our walk with the Lord, right? And uh, I got to tell you, this past week uh, really put a lot of families in challenge. You know, uh, Thursday, as our governor announced in the state of Illinois that actually we were going to extend the stay at home and this extension, this stay-at-home extension was going to go now, not through April 30th, but through May 30th. And there's more details that are going to come on that, a little bit of loosening up in places, but there was going to be an extension to May 30th. And there's a lot of parts of the state of Illinois that aren't quite seeing the struggles that maybe the Chicago area is seeing. And, and so for a lot of people, they were sort of beginning to hope, right? Expectation was beginning to be set on, surely we're going to open this up. And the expectations were there. And then all of a sudden those words came out. And I'm telling you, I have talked to so many people who are devastated by that simple announcement. Hey, we're going to do the stay at home through May 30. And, uh, you know, words like, I'm not sure I can take this. And uh, this is getting hard. And uh, please hear me. And, uh, and our family went through the same thing. Uh, there was a stir in our home. There was a wide variety of emotions expressed after some of this came out. But here's the reality. We have a God who has a plan. And all of God's people said, right, louder and bigger, and all of God's people said, right, God has a plan. And it isn't for us to be questioning the times and the seasons as much as it is for us to be looking for God to just stir and move in our soul that we might be witnesses of who he is. May we be patient in the midst of our God and his timing and see what God has to say. I'm just telling you, man, we did not pick this passage based on what went down Thursday. This passage was picked last summer and God knows exactly what he's doing, right? And so he's teaching us a little bit of hang on, be with me on this. Got some things going down. By the way, have you ever noticed this with expectation? Like our problem with patience is that usually we have this expectation we're setting. Like I want this, I need this, I think I need this, whatever. And that expectation. And then on top of it, we put some importance with it. Those are the two words, expectation and importance. 
And between those two, when those two come together and we have high importance and high expectation, our patience gets thin when it doesn't seem to go the way we want it. And here's my simple cry out. May we take our expectations and set them down before our God. May we take our statements of importance and begin to say, Lord God, your times, your seasons. I am going to be patient through this. And Lord, I long to see you move. Move in my life, move in my family's life, move in this community, move in this state. Lord God, may you get the glory. May we be patient as our Father is doing stunning things. Ready? And all of God's people said, Amen, man. So simple question, how's your patience in this season? How are you doing at managing your expectations and your labeling of importance? Are you ready to give it to your God and watch him get all the glory? Right, the Holy Spirit with us, we are not alone. May we be witnesses in this world, all for him, okay? Point number one, may we be patient for God and his timing. Point number two, when it comes to working with the Holy Spirit, be filled by the Holy Spirit. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to chapter two here. We're gonna jump over a few verses over to the beginning of Acts chapter two. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. And uh, he starts out here. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now let's make sure we understand this, all right? Point number one, we were talking through, and that was about 40 days after the Passover. 40 days after the Passover. Pentecost is another 10 days more. 50 days after Passover, all right? Penta means 50. And so the 40 days after, they were up on the Mount of Olives. They saw Jesus rise up into the clouds. They heard about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then 10 days later came Pentecost. And now they're gathered together for that. Pentecost is, we talked about this a couple years back, but it's a feast that they have where all of those Jewish people who are devout Christians or devout Jews rally together in Jerusalem. And they come together to be able to celebrate in that feast. And uh, so they gathered together in Jerusalem. They were rallied and gathered together here on Pentecost. And that's another 10 days more. Now, have you heard this phrase, uh, COVID time? Have you heard that phrase? You know, where every second feels like a minute, every minute feels like an hour, every hour feels like a day, every day feels like a month. And you look back over one week and you're like, my word, that was just a week ago? That feels like it was four months ago, right? Have you ever had that happen? That had to be exactly what is going on here with them. They sat there with Jesus, talking with him on the Mount of Olives. He rises up. The angel says, just hang on. He's going to be coming back. But right now you have that promise of the Holy Spirit, right? So they're sitting there going, Holy Spirit's coming. One hour, two hours, 12 hours, three days, five days, seven days, eight days, nine days. My word, it feels so long ago. On this 10th day at Pentecost, they're rallied together in this room and they're celebrating the feast as a devout Jew would. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. 
a sound like a mighty rushing wind. I mean, we all can make that sound. You know what I mean? Like that kind of coming through, filling the whole place. It didn't just go for a second though. It was like as it was going throughout everything, filling the whole house with the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Here's something you need to know. Uh, The Hebrew word for Holy Spirit, the Hebrew word for spirit is ruach. And it means one of two things. It means either spirit or wind. Both of those words used for the same. Why? Well, because the wind, it was something that impacted. You could feel your hair move. You could see the grass blow, but you can't see the wind. And so like God, he moves in our midst, but we can't see him. God is spirit, right? And so much the same. They use that word similarly there, ruach. And so when the Holy Spirit comes in like a mighty rushing wind, there's a statement being made to these Jewish boys. The wind of all winds is among you. Man, I'm telling you, it had to give them shivers as they started to hear and see this. They've been looking and expecting for the Holy Spirit to come for 10 days. And now all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes with a mighty rushing spirit or wind-like sound. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. It said, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and it rested on each of them. This sense of looking like fire and it represented tongues and it moved around amongst and it settled different fires on different disciples settling there is the Holy Spirit beginning to indwell, beginning to gift, beginning to empower these. And it says that he gave them tongues of fire as they rested over each of them. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody just say, filled. Yeah, say it louder, say it bigger. You missed the uptake. Everybody say, filled. Loud and big. This is a huge deal. Don't miss this. Up until this moment, there have only been momentary fillings of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. As the Holy Spirit would come, there were moments where he might, for a moment, impact somebody, impact their soul, but then that would in the next moment, the Holy Spirit would pull back away from that. Well, why is that? I don't know. You'll have to ask that for God when you're in heaven, right? We don't know all that he was doing, but one thing for sure is until our sins were covered at the cross, the Holy Spirit was not taking up residence, almost like our temple had to be made pure, right? And so in this moment, these who are believing in Jesus that he has risen from the dead, they're making him Lord in charge of their life. They now all of a sudden have the Holy Spirit Filling them. And now this is a huge word. We've talked about this before, but Ephesians 5.18 talks about the word filling. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled. All right, so let's talk about it. Uh, first, it's saying it in the command form. Do this. It's in the imperative. Be filled. Command. Make sure this is happening. Be filled. Right. It's in the passive form. Be filled doesn't say fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say not that. It's not that. It doesn't say fill yourself. It says be filled. Allow this. Allow this to happen. On a regular basis, command form, allow this to happen. And that's the third part of it is that it's in the ING form, the ongoing. Let this happen on a continuous basis, being filled. 
with the Holy Spirit. That's our job on a daily basis. Man, as we wake up in the morning, Lord God, may you have reign in my life. Lord, may I be patient. May I set down whatever my expectations are, whatever my importances are. And Lord, may I long for you to do a work in me, work in my soul, rock my world. I am ready for you to fill me. Now get this, when we're saved, when we trust in Jesus, when we believe that he is risen, when we confess him as Lord saved, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in us. And so this word filled, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit comes and goes. It's just speaking to the amount of control of your soul that he has. And being filled is like, Lord, I'm handing this over to you, all of it. And so Holy Spirit being able to make a complete or full impact in you in that moment, being filled. And uh, how can we be filled? We've talked about it before several times. So I'm going to use some different words here and let's see if it can make it a little fresh for us. How can I go after being filled? Here's the first word, ready? Saved. There is nobody filled by the Holy Spirit who is not first saved. Believing that Jesus is risen from the dead and saying, Lord, you're in charge. Saved. That's absolutely essential. If we're going to be filled by the Spirit, first we must be saved. These disciples here, absolutely saved, trusting in Christ, believing, and now the Holy Spirit coming on them, saved. Second, surrendered. Like, Lord, you are in charge. God, I'm giving this to you. Surrendered. God, I hope and long for you to have your way with my soul. Whatever needs to change in me, you're in charge surrendered. And that is a huge moment for you to be able to say, Lord, I'm giving you me. I surrender, right? And uh, take over. And then the third word, ready? Here's a big one. Satisfied. Lord, I'm going to learn to say thank you in every facet of my life. I'm going to confess the sin. That's the surrendering. I'm going to confess whatever sin needs to go. Lord, I'm done with this. Please forgive me. And I'm ready for you to do a continuing work today in me. And Lord, forgive my words or my actions or my attitude or whatever. As you lay that down, surrendering and then satisfied. And now, Lord, I'm going to thank you for all that you are doing. All too often, we are experts of what we don't see God doing. You know what I'm saying? Please don't leave me here alone. It's not just me, right? We leave ourselves in a spot where we're saying, Lord, why not that? Lord, why not this? Lord, what about over here? And, and we start to become experts of if we were God, what would we do? I'm just telling you that doesn't bode well for our temperament, nor does it bode well for our satisfaction, nor does it bode well for our being filled with the Spirit. You're beginning to take on the grumbling moment. Lord, I'm whining about what's going on and I don't like it. And really to be filled it's going to require us being saved, surrendered, not just in the broader sense, but in the day-to-day -day, what sin needs to go that you've been a part of. Get it done. And then ultimately satisfied. Lord, I long to be satisfied in you. Teach me to say thank you and worship you for who you are. And there is a massive in the moment filling that occurs. And I've I've said this before as well about filling. I, I was raised in a church. I got the impression that filling was something that took anywhere from three to nine years, you know? And when you started on the process, it would begin. And then anytime you made a mistake, it's like back to square one. It's like shoots and ladders. You know what I'm saying? And you get a long ways and then right back down. And like, I thought that's kind of how it went. But the reality is that's not it at all. Look at how fast they were filled with the spirit. They were not filled, then they were filled. 
instantaneous in the moment as we worship him, as we praise him, as we thank him, as we celebrate him, as we confess our sin and say, Lord God, I'm done with this, filled right then and there. Man, may we be filled with the Spirit. May the Holy Spirit have his way with our soul. And uh, filled, it actually takes on a sense of control. Um, it says, be filled with the Spirit, not with wine. Right, Ephesians 5.18. Don't, don't let alcohol control you. Let the Holy Spirit have his way with your soul. Be filled. There's a controlling element to it. And all too often, we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, we're filled with rage. We're filled with frustration. We're filled with fatigue. We're filled with whatever the word is you want to fill in there that makes us focus on me and the situation and not my God and all that he is. May we be filled with the Spirit. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal. And this is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment practice. Get into trying to say, Lord, I'm saved. I long now to surrender and be satisfied. Thanking and confessing, may God get the glory, all right? Notice it says here that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it says, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Literally, they began to speak in other languages. They were connecting with people from other nations. Remember now, we're at Pentecost. And so all these devout Jews who were believing in God, but maybe not aware of even who Jesus was, they're rallying together in Jerusalem for a feast, for a celebration. They come from all over the place. In fact, we're going to see some 17 nations listed in just a little bit in the passage. And they're coming from everywhere as they come together to celebrate in a Jewish way that God is awesome. And uh, these guys now all of a sudden have the ability to speak in tongues. They're going to be communicating to the nations that have rallied together at Pentecost. They have the gift of tongues. And and I'm just going to say this. uh, Be really careful. Uh, The role of the Holy Spirit is not only... It's not, everybody say not, not only to just give the gift of tongues. That's a huge miss. And the Holy Spirit has so many roles in our life. So I'm just going to read off seven of them here, all right? Here's seven different functions that the Holy Spirit has in our life. And the first one is gifts. It is. And, and tongues is one of those. But here's some other ones. The gift of encouragement. The gift of faith. The gift of leadership, the gift of teaching or knowledge or wisdom, evangelism, helps, mercies. These are just some of the gifts. Did you know that? That the Holy Spirit is literally working within the church and he is gifting each individual who has come in saved and helping them to have an impact in that church. And maybe it's the gift of encouragement. Do you find yourself always walking past somebody and you're like, hey man, I just love how you, and you're sharing some, maybe you have the gift of encouragement. Or the gift of helps and mercies where you're coming to needs and you're caring for people, you're hurting with them. Maybe it's the gift of leadership where you're guiding and directing, you're seeing things before they happen, right? With wisdom and knowledge and that's the Holy Spirit and he brings those supernatural abilities into the church that we might be more than just a bunch of lame human beings gathering in a club. And all of God's people said, this is a huge deal, man. The Holy Spirit doing a work in our souls. And yeah, the first one is gifts. He brings gifts, but he does way more than that. Here's some other things. Number two, the Holy Spirit brings comfort. The Holy Spirit brings comfort. In the middle of our hurts, we are not alone. In the middle of our loneliness, we are not alone. In the middle of COVID, 
and hearing that there's another month, we are not alone. And all of God's people said, comfort, conviction. He actually convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. Those moments where we are in sin with our attitude or our action, we know we're wrong. We're taking steps in certain directions. We know we shouldn't. And we feel this press down like, oh, why am I doing this? This is so wrong. That's the Holy Spirit pressing in and convicting as he's making it clear what needs to go. Praise God that he's working in us to purify us one degree of glory at a time. One sin clearly understood and released to our God and him transforming me at a time. Our God convicting along the way. And then here's another one, teach. He teaches us, man, as we read the word, as we listen to the word, as we hear preachers preach, whatever it is, Holy Spirit speaking and saying, this is something we need to work on. Let's get on this together. And God doing a work even right now as we are spread apart and you are in your home or wherever you're at as you listen to this. And the reality is the Holy Spirit still speaking and teaching, saying, this is something we're going to be working on. This is so good for you to know about me and what I'm doing with you. Right? He gives gifts, comfort, conviction, teaching. He guides into all truth. That's number five, the fifth one. He guides into all truth. He leads and directs us. We were not alone in our decisions. He guides into all truth. Number six, he cries out on your behalf. When you are without words, he is with words. When you don't even know what to do, he begins to groan for you. Your Holy Spirit connected in perfect unity with God the Father and God the Son. And this triune God communicating together as the Spirit cries out on your behalf. Man, don't miss that. The Holy Spirit, he knows exactly what you're struggling with. And you are not alone. He loves you with all he's got. Hang on. Lean on him. And watch him do a work, crying out on your behalf. And then the last one, and guaranteeing your eternity. Guaranteeing. He's a seal guaranteeing your eternity. The Holy Spirit, he's a comfort. He's a guide. He's a teacher. He's a communicator. He's a prayer on your behalf. He's a healer and a convictor. Man, we are not walking alone in this world. We are called to be witnesses with power. Everybody say, with power. And that means with the Holy Spirit doing the whole of his work in our lives. May God get all the glory. You know, leaning on the Holy Spirit is as much an art as a science, right? We need to learn to do that in so many fronts. And, and um, often he walks us through heavier situations to be able to get us used to doing that. There was a counselor. He lived in New York City, and as he communicated with his counselees, when he found them having trouble trusting God, one thing that he would do is he would say, hey, why don't we go for a walk for this session? And so they would go out and walk the streets of New York City for an hour, and they would see the hustle and bustle. They would see the hurrying around, people jumping in taxi cabs, people swearing at each other, whatever else was going on, all the worrying and hurrying and everything else that was happening. And as they walked along, he would say, what are you seeing? And they would share it. And then they would get to a point he would say, stop. I'm like, okay, now what? And he's like, just look over to your right. And as they looked over, he's like, what do you see? There's a giant statue of Atlas. 
And he's got the world on his shoulders. He's holding the world. And you can see his muscles like all taut. And you can see him grimacing a bit as he's holding on. And he's holding the world up. And they're like, well, I see, you know, this statue of a guy holding the world up. Yeah, that's Atlas. And he's supposed to be holding up the world. But you can see the effort of it. And yeah, now look to the left across the street. And across the street, there was a statue of Jesus uh, even they say probably as a young boy, it's kind of guessed as to what age he was, but there's Jesus on the other side and he's holding out his hand and the world is in his hand. And he's got a smile on his face as he's just standing there without any effort at all, holding the world in his hand. And he said, just know most of the time we walk through life trying to be Atlas, but we really need to be handing it over to Jesus and putting it in his hand for him to handle Man, we serve the God of the universe and we have the Holy Spirit present right here with us. May we set down the burdens of this world and watch God do an amazing work of peace and satisfaction in our soul as we lean on him and trust in him. And as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, simply handing our problems to Jesus and letting it sit in his hand. Our God has it in hand. And all of God's people said, Lord, I long to be filled with you. So how are you doing with saying, yes, Lord, I'm saved. I am ready to surrender my life and my struggles. I'm giving them to you. No more sin. I'm done with it, Lord. I want that done. Please forgive me. Surrendering. And now practicing being satisfied. Lord, I'm ready to hear from you and I'm ready to be at peace with whatever you call. I'm putting my world in your hands. May you get all the glory. Filled and patient and watching God move. And now number three. Number three. Be amazed at all that God is doing in hearts and lives. Be amazed at all that God is doing in hearts and lives. It says, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Remember these devout Jews who believed in God. They knew about a Messiah story, but they hadn't yet believed in Jesus Christ. They rallied together in Jerusalem for this feast of Pentecost to be able to celebrate God according to Old Testament. And these devout Jews had gathered together from every nation under heaven, it says. And at this, and at this sound of the, um, the multitude came together. At this sound, what sound? Well, some would think this is the wind rushing in the house. And it could be that. But it's probably that these disciples started speaking out in their uh, foreign tongues to them. And they started communicating those. Have you ever been in a foreign country traveling for a week or something? Have you ever traveled around where you're, all you're hearing is like the other, maybe you're in France, all you hear is French. And, and, and you're just hearing it all over the place. And then all of a sudden you hear English. Like, dude, it is one of the sweetest sounds in the world. <laughs> you're like, there's one of me. And you start to see some identification. That's exactly what's going on with these guys. They're in kind of a foreign collection together. But all of a sudden, they're hearing their nation's tongue being cried out. They rallied together. The multitude came together and says, and they were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in their own language in their own language. God doing an amazing work here as they were now communicating across cultures and language barriers. It says, and they were amazed 
and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? They're like, come on, man. These guys are like from up north. You can tell by the way they dress, how they walk and carry themselves. These are the fishermen. These are the guys who are not educated. How could they possibly know my language from down in Egypt or from over in the Middle Eastern areas away from here somewhere? And how? How are they doing this? And there's some miracle that's happening that's causing them to be amazed and astonished. But there's more than that happening as we keep reading. It says, now are not all these guys Galileans. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? The devout Jews fully represented each of them hearing in their language. Everybody say, God has a plan. And God has a plan. He knows exactly what he's doing. He says, we've heard these in our own native language and now they start lift, listing off the countries, the Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. Let me just summarize. People from way over there, people from way up there, people from way down here, people from way over there. Man, there's people from everywhere around here and we're all hearing God's languages communicated to us in our own language. And what's being said it says, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. These guys, as they started speaking, did not start communicating about the trite and the simple and the small. They began communicating about the mighty works of God. Everybody just say mighty works. Yeah, I know you missed the uptake. Say it louder, say it bigger. Mighty works, louder and bigger. Mighty works. Man, as the Holy Spirit takes up residence, please hear me. It is not just so that we have a feel-good moment. He does bring that. He is comforter. He is guide. He is teacher. He is healer. Yes, but I'm telling you so much more than that. He is not just here to give me a little feel-good moment. We are here to be witnesses in this world of Jesus Christ. Him crucified, him risen, him ascended up into the heavens. God Almighty who is coming back. We serve the risen Savior. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Don't miss it. That's the Holy Spirit's task as he moves within us. Convicting us, calling us, healing us and bringing glory to Jesus Christ. And they were speaking of the mighty works. I've seen him heal. I saw Jesus touch and dead men were raised. I'm telling you, this one is God Almighty, risen from the dead. They were talking of the mighty works of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit was empowering that along the way. Man, may we realize this. We are on a journey. Sometimes our journey gets a little bit more clear than others. And right now we are in the middle of this COVID journey. Please hear me, don't miss it. We have the opportunity to be a witness as the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. May we be patient with all we've got to the timing and the seasons of our Father. May we be filled, saved, surrendered, and satisfied. And may we be in awe 
of the works of God, right? A couple weeks back, 67 that accepted Christ from this church alone. Uh, 69,000 on the tool that we used alone. And then over that, I can't even imagine the numbers of hundreds of thousands who came to Christ this Easter alone. Everybody say, God has a plan. And God has a plan. And the Holy Spirit within you, filling you and impacting you is a key part to it. May we allow him to do his work. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Let's pray.